For those of you who have listened to our most recent episode of Aware, we have the wonderful and ever-erect Mike Falicon to discuss his documentary, Telephone Dieting. And when I had him on and we were having a discussion, we realized that we'd been talking for about 50 minutes before we actually hit record on the episode. So what I've done is I've taken the majority of that, pretty much done next to no editing on it, other than making sure that the audio is fabulous, and then set it in the rest of this episode. So for those of you that are interested in that sort of thing, here is roughly 45 minutes of us just shooting the shit, basically, before we decided to actually hit record on the last episode. Enjoy! Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Police car! Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? So many times where it's like, uh, oh, you listen to it, and then you can tell they're going like, yes, yes, we did. It's like, you didn't really, did you? Uh, I I don't know what that is. It's this thing where people just, they decide they have to look good all the time. (laughs) It's like, what do you want out of life to, to, you know, it's like, it's not like you're going to be like, you know, screw you, (laughs) get off. It's like, we're here already. We're on the phone. It's, it's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what people really, honestly, I don't know why they do it. I've never understood it. I think people hate looking stupid. Yeah, I guess. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm always the first to admit there are many, many classic films that I have just not seen, uh, but people seem to assume I have. So (laughs) they'll just be like, For instance, uh, I will say I have never seen in their entirety any of the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, And I have had conversations with people where they are conversing with me under the understanding that I have obviously seen them. And and they'll say, well, you're a Star Wars fan. You know, well, uh, um, actually, (laughs) got to correct you there. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I and and it's like it's like isn't it more fun to talk about stuff? Well, I think that's it too. Is like it's like people want to feel included, isn't it? You know, Probably. they like they really want to be like, yes, I totally get it, and I've totally seen that. There more, there's more people likely to just lie and be like, yeah, oh yeah, uh, totally like that moment on the on the star of of, of Deathless, of yes. the Deathless star. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's that's. Uh... The guy in the black helmet, yes, yes, bad guy. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Unless he's not, and if he's not, that's my hot take: is that he is a bad guy. Unless he is, in which case, it's not a hot take. You know, if become, if he, there are people, you know, I used to watch. I don't know how many. I, I've watched a bunch of 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 of, of British sitcoms as well, but in American, I mean, there's a lot like that. Like every episode of Blackadder is like that. But like, like. There's just so many people that I watch these things, these American sitcoms, you're like, nobody gets in this trap where there's the one girl in the other room and the other girl over here. It's like, but I guess there are people who live that way where they're like, oh my God, John doesn't know I didn't watch Star Wars. Like, you know, they're, <laughs> they're having to hide it their whole life. Oh, I can't imagine living that way. Just constantly in a George Bernard Shaw play of, you know, which Godfather I have or haven't seen. It sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now, have you seen? Have you read, seen any George, George Bernard Shaw? <laughs> is the other question. I have not. I don't believe. Really, right, well, at least right. I don't believe I have. I um, uh, I would not know to be perfectly frank. <laughs> um, I think My Fair Lady's the big. The big okay, one. then no. I'm gonna go with no. If that's uh, <laughs> if that's the big one. Um, yeah, no, I. Uh, I've not been to a huge number of plays, uh, I'll be honest. Um, uh, a bit of an eclectic bunch. I've been to uh, We Will Rock You probably about 10 times because my mum is a huge fan. We went every single year on her birthday. Um, I What see, is We Will Rock You? We Will Rock You. That was something that uh, Brian May um, uh, wrote. And it is a... Yeah, it's, it, it was not. I didn't figure. I'm not clairvoyant. I didn't figure specifically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it um it was a kind of a rock opera type thing. Um, it was set in the future where all music is now uh digitally created and it's all you know synth poppy stuff, and there are these two people who are getting like they don't fit in and they're getting glimpses of old school rock lyrics. Mm. And they kind of break off and join the resistance. And of course, each major song in each major scene is a Queen song. So, um, and, and it it always ended. They never did Bohemian Rhapsody throughout the play. And then it would end with the lights going down and the words on screen saying, do you want Bohemian Rhapsody? And of course, the entire audience just goes, <laughs> yes. It's like, okay, then. And <laughs> they come out and sing oh, that's it. That's great. Um, yeah, that that was really cool. I've seen uh, uh, Wicked. I got to see that um, on. Uh, see, I think you've seen more plays in... than me. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen that many yeah. plays. I I got to see that in London. I think I might have seen Adina Menzel um, on stage in London. I don't know for sure, uh, but I do know that uh, uh, this is going to be a random poll. If you do know it, have you ever watched The Young Ones? No. Okay, so that was um, like not surprising. Uh, only ran for two seasons, and of course that's two UK seasons, so that's twelve episodes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it. Well, went... I've said this before too. A lot of people who are from non-English speaking countries and even Americans sort of assume that, like, oh, well, we get the same stuff. And like, I always point out, it's impossible to get EastEnders in America, <laughs> and it's pretty hard to get Our Law and Order in other countries. So those are the shows that are constantly on like reruns and stuff in these separate countries. So. I'm not sure that it's at all the same TV culture because I try desperately to get a lot of, di- of these different shows. I'm going to write down Young Ones. I'll say, yeah, the Young Ones, um, the cast, it was Rick Mayo, Adrian Edmondson, Nigel Planer, and another guy whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> and they're all sharing a house um, and they're, they're all kind of punks. Like Rick Mayo is a punk. You know, kind of. Adrian Edmondson is the punk. Um, and uh, uh, let's see, Nigel Plano is a hippie. And then mm. the, the other guy is a fairly straight-laced guy. Um, and it's just a surreal comedy. Um, and uh, the guy, Nigel Plano, who from that, he was the wizard in Wicked when we went to see it. Um and so that was really cool. I got I've seen Spam a lot when Tim Curry was King Arthur. Wow! So that was good. <laughs> that that it, that. It, but now I'm thinking about it. now I have seen a lot of plays. Now that I'm starting to run through them, <laughs> but but my one of the favorite one that I ever saw was an amateur production or student production of uh, a, a, U, a UK, if you want to call it that, an Irish uh, 
film right and a play called Pillow Man. Do you ever see that? Um, can't say that one's come up on my radar. Have you ever seen In Bruges? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of that's one of those ones that's been on TV. I've just yeah not not actually sat down to watch it. The same writer wrote In Bruges that wrote Pillow Man. Okay, and it's that would be I would say for sure the best play I've ever seen just because of the writing, not necessarily the production. Which for Pillow Man is um, mostly takes place in a police interrogation room, but. Okay. Uh, that's the that's my when I talk to people that have seen plays, I say that, and then I kind of just let them fill in the rest of the conversation about plays, <laughs> and I, I just kind of say, yeah, it's just like in Pillow Man, yeah, <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, I say I think that my favorite play that I've been to see, um, probably kind of a toss up between two. Um, uh, one that I saw in Columbus, um, which was uh, Book of Mormon because that, mm-hmm. that was just an awesome play. Um, and then the other one is one I saw in England, um, again, on the West End down there, uh, and it was Matilda. Uh, nice. I don't know if you That's know it. of the Matilda play that they're doing, but it was written by... Uh, oh, bollocks, what the hell's his name now? <laughs> uh, God damn it. It was written by a, a comedian, actually, a, a comedian who does a lot of... Um, uh, like parody songs and things like that, but he Weird Al? No, no, it, it's an English guy. It's uh, okay. Chris I'm gonna Lee, look this up now. <laughs> Ricky yeah, Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin is the name of the guy. Okay. Um, uh, like he he's done like he an Australian yeah comedian actor writer. Um, he he is very atheist. Uh, like yeah. goes on about that sort of stuff. He he even has a song. Um, the name of the song is a spoiler for the song, but it's called um, uh, "Fuck the Motherfucking Pope." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good point about the Pope. <laughs> yeah, well, the 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 American play is the three camera sitcom. That's what's taken over. Very few countries still do the three camera sitcom, but it's set up like a play, and yeah. we we still oh. It's amazing, and I don't know if other countries know how many of these pieces of donk we crank out every year. We crank out so many, set up like a play, three camera type. Still, still to this day, that that is the mo- you know that's the modern American play. Uh, you know, Broadway has struggled over the years. The the modern American play is the sick, and there's some good there's some good sitcoms. I mean, I think I can't think of a ton of iconic. I don't know is is Black Blackadder's like the go-to of like you know Blackadder and Monty Python are technically three camera setups but there's a lot of interstitials and things on scenes but like when I think of British sitcoms I think Peep Show I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of stuff shot not in that style I, I can't uh, right uh, what was the other one uh, 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 Black Box I don't know if that was actually oh. a British production but it had a lot of British people in it you mean Black Books or... well that was, so yeah Black Book was another one too. But the the um, which I've seen Black Book, sorry, yeah, with the and that's a three camera setup, and so is uh, IT Crowd, right? Uh, uh, it was, yes, yeah, that one was. But but uh, Black Black Box was if I'm, it's something box, but it was with a lot of British comedians. I don't actually know if it was British. Now that I'm thinking about it, but it was about two executioners. Um, um, I'll have to look it up. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you'll have to look it up from the wrong <laughs> name, probably. <laughs> but it was it, it's a. Uh, yeah, I guess there are there are some, but we just you guys don't crank out as much comedy as we do. People really, there's a lot of bad. Com- <laughs> there's no drama three camera setups though, which I always thought was lost, you know, on 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 the American scene. 
you have these three camera things. Very few people do drama. They do sort of the uh, now typical thing of a little bit of heart, a little bit of comedy or full gross, annoying comedy. But uh, <laughs> that's... Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I've I've found is that it's it's somewhat annoying um, is when you know, American studios buy the rights to do a remake of the British show because mm. um, the problem you run into is and um, for being human is actually a perfect example of this. So, being human ran for I think five seasons in the UK. I might be wrong on that, mm. um, but. And you know, each season was six episodes. Each episode was an hour long, and they and that's without ads. So that's just a solid hour, and then episode end. Um, so the first episode of the first season starts at a certain point, and the last episode of the first season ends at a certain point. The U.S. version was created. It is twenty-three forty-two minute episodes. It starts at the same point as the first season in the UK, and it ends at the same point as the first season in the UK. So plot-wise, there is nothing different in terms of plot <laughs> development. They have just added the equivalent of about nine hours of footage. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think that one of the things that maybe I don't know if this is is this, this is an idea, but. Americans really do watch a lot of TV. And I think that one of the reasons we occupy so much of other people's countries thing is not just our budget, which is definitely it. It's definitely a money thing. We have an industry of it here. But it's literally an American will say to you, you know, oh, well, I made an hour long TV show this week. It's like, okay, you've got me for one part of my night. You've got Mm -hmm. me for you've covered me for what? One hour of one night of the week. Americans will watch. I mean, I don't know what the stats are anymore, but. We spend a lot of time watching stuff. We spend, and so it's it's like you know we you need to crank out a ton of content. A lot of it is bad, um, but I think the the pro argument would be that we have a great um, a great amount of good actors. We're we're big into being behind our actors, and that giving people more time to go through an emotion and to go through something that would be that would I would imagine would be the pro pitch would be, be to say that <laughs> it's the same plot but you're giving the actors time and space to have moments to do things but that's not usually the case <laughs> usually it's very rushed editing uh, and I don't get it I said I, I, I'll show people British versions of TV shows and American versions and especially of cooking shows and I go it's broccoli what is so exciting about these quick cuts of broccoli like calm down it's the same show where you're these swip these zooming and panning and music and it's like listen to this music and it's like dong dong and like that's that's artichoke's theme that's the theme of the artichoke did you guess that did, or did you think that there was some sort of pogrom going on because that's that's the music that you think it was yeah that's the pogrom music when you look it up in like the music audio base but that's for artichoke and garlic which is i know that i maybe it's more dramatic the artichoke and the garlic but we uh i don't know i don't i don't know i am i'm a big fan of british tv and it was it's been a very long road uh, to getting like actual access to it um (laughs) it's it's pretty it's you know peep show season nine while we're on it you know, I we didn't get to see it, and there was just like for ye- for for like I'd say a solid two years, everyone was like, "Just pirate it." They're never going to give it to us over here, right? You know, and that show was huge here. Uh, we, we couldn't, yeah, see it. yeah. No, the um, uh, yeah, the interesting thing is there are several shows that I would love to say 
watch this to people over here, but they can't because they've just never been picked up. Uh, for instance, uh, the people that made Peep Show, they made a sketch comedy show called... Oh, amazing. That the, Mitchell and Webb look. Yeah, yeah. The Mitchell and Webb look. Yeah, it, phenomenal. We had that for one year on Netflix, and really? I watched every episode of it. It was years ago. We had it for one year, on, 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 and I love them. And, and then I watched... Um, not pirated. It seemingly was like uh, part of the deal where people upload stuff and they just have to give money. Like essentially YouTube runs this thing where if you don't know this, if you pirate something like a song, um, YouTube will say, OK, well, you get no money and you'll never get to make any money uh, on your channel if you admit you stole this copyright and we give all the ad money to this company because we have a deal with them. And so I watched all of um, the uh, with Rob Bryden. Uh, don't uh, something lie to me. Would I lie to you? Right. Oh, uh, the, oh okay. Yeah. That's yeah. It. And I watched yeah. all of that on YouTube. You really have to be like an Anglophile in order to see it because you just have to be on it and searching and, and all these things. I, I want to see what BritBox is all about because <laughs> Brit British TV show has been like part of it is is, you know, like I'm a big Ricky Gervais fan. And um, I had the honor of being quoted in Esquire UK about, you know, looking up to Ricky Gervais as a creator. And uh, that's cool. I like. It is really cool to like that. Like I got, they took my quote about Ricky Gervais, which was so important, but like <laughs> I, he has all these guys from EastEnders, like I was mentioning before on he, making all these jokes about it and all these different, like, you know, uh, uh, it, it, all these talk shows and things like that. It's like, but I can't see them. I don't, it's, it's even more important that like, I don't, I can't get the jokes. Like, like that's even weirder that I can't get the jokes. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there are several shows that um, I grew up watching or, that I think are phenomenal examples of British humor and British wit, and they're just not over here. For instance, there is a show called Green Wing, which uh, uh, very few people I know over here have ever heard of. And it was essentially, what if Monty Python made ER? Is kind of <laughs> what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, since you've seen Black Books, uh, mm. you know the character of Fran, She's the main character in. It's the same character, Wing. And it, or is it, it the same actress? It's the same actress, um, oh, okay. and and it's just, and also there's a few people who are in the British office are in there as well, and, and Ka Catherine Tate, right? Like, is she in there? Uh, Catherine, Catherine. Oh, I'm sorry, Tate that's the American not... office. Do you yeah, know that no. she is? She's in the American office, and, and Americans watch that, and they're like, who, "Why is this British person here?" <laughs> Another show we had for one year on in Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. Catherine Tate, uh, I mean, she was always brilliant. Uh, if uh, if you haven't had the chance already, do look up her um, Lauren character on YouTube. Uh, like she was famous she, enough. That, that was a would I, would I bother? Why should I be bothered? Yeah, yeah just bother face. I'm a bother. Um, but yeah, like she, she and her, that character is so ingrained in the culture. Like they did a sketch where she went and interviewed Tony Blair. And Tony Blair did the bothered face to her. <laughs> um, I, and it's so interesting when you Google these things like in different regions now, like we mostly get, if you Google, am I bothered? You get um, a judge who laid down a sentence and, and compared criminals to Catherine Tate's character and okay. said, you know, he's, he's like, well, should, should, you know, every time you come in here, miss, you, you, you. You seem like you don't care, and you seem to look at me and say, am I bothered? <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, one other sketch they did actually for a Red Nose Day was uh, like foreign in... concept, by the way, to Americans. The only reason I know about it is from watching old British TV shows. Oh, really? Okay. We don't know that that it never existed here. We had Comic Relief, which was similar, but it never it never existed here, and you you would only know about it because of um, because of TV shows. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, something labeled Red Nose Day Special or something. Yeah, and, and actually recently, um, Matthew Mercer ran a uh, a quick one shot with Stephen Colbert doing D and D that was for Red Nose Day, so that was a a, a fun little thing. Um, but yeah, they um, Catherine Tate did the Lauren character in a sketch for Red Nose Day, and David Tennant comes in as a substitute teacher, uh, but it's him in his actual accent, and of course, anyone that watches Doctor Who knows that David Tennant played the Doctor and Catherine Tate played Donna Noble. And so the the joke that in the sketch is she keeps trying to get him to admit that he's the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, but even even that, even like, like, like when you know about British TV and you watch something like Harry Potter or Star Wars and you're like, oh, you know, who's this British person? But then if you know, or any British, you know, themed Lord of the Rings, all those different things... And then you learn like, oh, oh, boy, this is just it's just the most popular people over there. Like, yeah. it's not like you kind of you uh, Americans don't if you like Doctor Who fandom, as big as it is in America, is still relatively rare. Most Americans cannot identify David Tennant unless they've seen the Harry Potter films. And even then, they might not know that he's in, you know, number four. Most Americans don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, although uh, Good Omens, I'll say, uh, Good Omens has uh, done quite well at bringing him over. Um, that's and- the uh, kind of fake. Uh, <laughs> there's another show in Britain that's like it, right? Isn't there? There's a, or I never knew if it was a remake with a lost child, right? No, no. Um, oh, no. Good Omens is, um, sorry, the the, 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 the Terry Pratchett, Neil t- Gaiman. Um, Neil Gaiman book. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and I was going to say, David Tennant and Michael Sheen made a six-part quarantine-filmed um, series where they are trying to practice for a play, um, and they're doing it through Zoom, uh, and like they're just kind of riffing off each other and arguing with each other like that there's a a running gag in each episode where they keep arguing about whose name should be first and why and so (laughs) and then the following episode the names come up as whatever they've been talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but even even like even those guys like i know this sounds crazy and like you know as as someone super into british stuff like those names are still even like you know Michael Sheen was in Frost Nixon, but like and and in a lot of other big stuff, those names are not commonplace in America. No. They just they just aren't, and it's like it's I always get so weirded out when people are like, well, you know, it's like British and American. It's like no, like <laughs> we don't we can't turn on. We see like Graham Norton episodes like nine weeks later. You know, like we don't. <laughs> it's not the same. Like and that's a weird new occurrence. I don't even know. I don't have BBC anymore. The American BBC. So I don't even know if they rebroadcast that show anymore. But like it's it's a totally different uh, thing. And then, you know, I don't know about like in America, we're so big that like each state has like different local things and lo- and local stuff like that. Like I don't know if how what what 
I don't know what Irish TV or, you know, Scottish TV or like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many English speaking countries there that like the idea that that we are at all similar to these other, you know, like I can name every Australian TV show I've seen. You know, <laughs> there's this there's this sort of global xenophobia that goes on where you're like, uh, oh, like, you know, all English speaking places are the same. It's like, not, not really. You know, like I'm getting like, what, three hours of of Australian TV here a year. You know, uh, there's, there's TV on all the time over there. You know that, right? Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's just on all the time. And, uh, you know, we have the benefit as Americans of looking smart because everybody watches our TV. So we always <laughs> look like we're cultured. It's one of the few things <laughs> where that happens. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, you get a few big hits like The Simpsons and all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, ooh, everyone loves our stuff. Well, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll say. Um, uh, actually, yeah. Growing up, um, again, I watched some TV shows that it didn't quite click for me. But there were some like very Australian TV shows that I watched, and it was just on TV. Um, so, like, there was a show called Round the Twist, which was a, a kid TV show about uh, this family that lives in this random lighthouse. But this weird stuff would keep happening to them. Like, there's one episode where one of the boys finds a remote and it can pause and rewind and do all of this Ooh, stuff. like click. Oh, click bit. stole it. <laughs> click stole it. Get on it, Sue Click. Oscar nominated click. Look it up, that's real. <laughs> um, and, and yes, there were... There was even a, a show that I actually talked to some Australian podcasters and they hadn't heard of this show. And it was called <laughs> The Wayne Manifesto. It ran for like two seasons and it was just this odd show that I can't even really describe right now. But <laughs> it was a genuine show that actually aired and yeah, they had never heard of it, but I had. So, so. I don't know a ton about, you know, when, when you moved and whatever, but I've been obsessed with a... British. I'm obsessed with Saturday morning. Like uh, uh, that was a thing in America that was big, and Saturday morning cartoons were were used to be much bigger. But in America, it was a huge boom, right. and like a uh, TV boom. And there is, I think it's called like Breakfast Something. And there's these these puppet characters, and like like they like they're like these insane puppet characters. And I don't mean insane like like oh they're so kooky. Like they literally act insane puppet characters that host this like morning, uh, 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 Saturday morning sort of TV show. And like, it had all these different transitions. I'm, I've been desperately seeing, I know I bookmarked it at one point and I'm so upset that I don't have it right now while we're in a discussion about, <laughs> about, about British TV show. The, the, the few shows I like that I have, that I do have here. Um, one is Grange Hill. Cause I know that, uh, someone, someone lists, I think Grange Hill and likely lads were mentioned in the train spotting, um, audio commentary okay um, yeah and th i know nothing about them and i have no way to watch them but um grain tail interesting show um that was something my sister would watch that and a show called biker grove um they were very similar shows uh yeah and they were about kids at a school um that there was actually a show that was made um several years later uh, that ran for a while. Uh, Andrew Lincoln was one of the main characters in it, actually. Um, oh, cool. Uh, and it was called Teachers, and it was kind of the other side of it. So you were seeing through the lens of the teachers at the school and how much, you know, uh, how much the upper 
the upper management of the school were coming down on them, how much the kids just didn't care. <laughs> and, and they're just trying to make it through every day. Like, so it was a um, very cool show. I, I know. I have no idea when I'm ever going to be able to watch it. Cause like, especially kids media never gets brought over here. And, and, and likely lad seems like at some point I'll find a DVD. Possibly. Yeah. That, yeah. that one's kind of big enough. Um, uh, Tell you what, I'll give you two more recommendations for thing to try and find. Yeah. However, it is you wish to do that. Um, there is uh, a show that was made by um, uh, Michael Palin and um, uh, in collaboration with a couple of other Pisons. It was called Ripping Yarns, um, and it was kind of like uh, what the British version of Twilight Zone could be, sort of. Um, but right. a lighter like hearted like kind of a lighter hearted take to it so that not quite as uh, as dark as the twilight zone could get but it's yeah and, and it was obviously python-esque version of it um but uh but the other one is called dad's army yeah dad's army's on my list too good <laughs> because dad's army is referenced constantly mm-hmm. that dad's army you can't get through a season of a, of any comedy show without someone bringing up dad's army so that's already on my list good yes i um, don't know how i'm gonna get I, i've been looking for <laughs> I, i'm gonna <laughs> check out Britbox, but you know i love uh, i love talking i'd be unable to talk about this stuff it's it's it's, <laughs> ra- it's rare it's rare you know me and my me and my partner who, who produced the movie that we're going to talk about today but that was one of our loves was talking about peep show and i you know, we told her, "Oh, you gotta, we gotta listen to that Mitchell and Webb sound and that Mitchell and Webb look." Only to, to be like, "Okay, it's nowhere on the internet." <laughs> um, I'm sorry, we'll just have to settle for watching this show over and over again. Uh, but right. that's worse, worse things that could. Happen. Yeah, Andy, um, I tell you what, I, I told a lie. One more recommendation before okay. we get in. Um, yeah, no, well, no, it's not a lie because Dad's Army doesn't make it because that's already in my my list. Okay, guys, right, there you go. Um, yeah, the other one is a show called Red Dwarf, which I've seen. Red Dwarf, beautiful, well done, <laughs> good man. Have you seen through, all of yeah. it? No, okay, uh, I've not seen all of it. I went through. I kind of got that era of sci-fi fatigue. Um, okay, at a certain point, I was watching, and to be honest, a little bit of that era of British TV show too. I also watched Space in that same time period. And oh, I was good. watching Deep Space Nine and. Uh, um, one other, I think I was trying again desperately to watch Firefly because I don't like it. So I was watching, which is a little oh, bit later okay. than those things. But I was, I got a little bit of fatigued with with Red Dwarf. But I, I, <laughs> I, I, I left feeling, like, okay, you know, yeah. I left feeling like it was one of those things that if I sat down with somebody who liked it and watched it with them, <laughs> I'd be real into it. Right. But left to my own devices, which I did try with Firefly. It was still garbage. Um, but uh, I'm gonna uh, have to disagree with you on that one. But I, I will just leave it don't there. get it. I've tried. <laughs> I don't get it. Nope, fair I, enough. Fair enough. I get. I get. I get. I. Oh, well, here's what it is. I get it. I get it. It's kind of like fun and bounty hunterish. But does anything happen? Kind uh, of. Kind of. Uh, well, and obviously the the main issue there is that it was cancelled when they were halfway through making the first season. So, Here's what I think yeah. about that guy, though. Here's what I think about a lot of guys in Hollywood. It's the guy that made that. He's made some other stuff, too. I don't <laughs> think they ever have a plan. And they <laughs> count on things like this happening. So you'd be like, well, I didn't really get to tell my thing. And that you, if you were to get them with truth serum, they'd have nothing. 
they'd have nothing. And that's kind of how I, that's I, what I, will, I suspect. I will say I do know of um, uh, some of the plot lines that would have been explored had Firefly continued. Um, for instance, uh, I'm assuming you don't care if I bring up a spoilery type thing. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, okay. I'm not going to cry about yeah. it. That so would there, be weird. So there is one episode of Firefly when the Reavers go by and they're all kind of like hunkered down and they're all looking at, um, like they're all trying to come to terms with what might happen. And there's a point where you see Inara, um, who uh, was Mal's girlfriend, not girlfriend, um, uh, she's looking at a syringe. And the long game for that would have been that Anara actually had a uh, terminal illness, and that was her medicine to keep her alive. So um, so mm. the whole point would have been that, um, obviously, her and Mal kept doing the whole... They obviously like each other, but they're pushing each other away, and Mal's doing it because he feels he's not good enough for her, and she's doing it because she knows she's going to die. And so... Mm. Like, mm. Okay. So, so that was just a, a fun little thing that also came. And that, out and that, that you're, you're saying that because there's proof of it for some reason. <laughs> well, that was something that. Um, uh, well, so they, I'm saying that one shot, which I would don't think anyone would have noticed, some syringe. That one shot <laughs> is in there. You're saying it, it is. It lingers on the syringe uh, so she's looking and, at it, and, and then she. Like, oh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it into consideration. I'll go into my chambers and make a decision. <laughs> yes. yes, the chamber of understanding to steal a Futurama quote. Um. <laughs> That's the one where he goes in and he's got a, whatchamacallit, it's like a, he's got the disco music, isn't, isn't that the I one? I think, yes, I believe that's the one. Their, their joke on the, the cone, I don't know if that, that's an American TV show that probably knows it. That's the cone of silence, or did you ever see that? Uh, uh, the Max cone Smart? of silence, Chief. Yeah. Um, I, I know... I know of it. I've not seen that specific show, but I know of that reference. So. Yeah, that's their twist on the code of silence, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, although one of my, like, I will say my favorite quote from Futurama is actually something entirely random, um, which is the episode when, I believe it's called Godfellas, when Bender goes off into space and he, he ends up meeting what he decides is God and, and all that. Um, and they go to the uh, they go to the place where the people are using the telescope the to look around for everyone yeah. and uh, the guy says like you know he speaks out of love for his friend maybe that love is god and the guy just goes oh how convenient a theory about god that doesn't require looking through a telescope <laughs> <laughs> that that has one of my favorite lines in futurama 2 where bender is is has a microcosm living on him is the plot of the episode and uh, he talks to god and he says I thought there was no God, and then, and then I was God for a little, and God tells him, "I know you did pretty good until everybody died." Yep, <laughs> a pretty, a pretty, pretty classic line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, you're pr- pretty timely, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to okay. me. Yes, more let's me, have... not Matt Groening. More me. No, no, no. Yes, let's let's actually get into it. Uh, I feel like this is something I could just release as a separate thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Do it. Do a two part episode. You know, <laughs> happy to do it. All right. Okay. I love it. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll probably snip this, release it second, <laughs> like um, after I've actually done the bit where I introduce who the hell you are. Yeah, I could talk. <laughs> I could talk for hours about British TV. It's just. It's just. It's. It, it's. It's like. It's like when you, I'm sure when you see an expat here. 
You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it, 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 even if it's boring, it's, which our conversation wasn't, but even if it's boring, it's like, oh, things that I, I, I have no one to relate to. Oh, absolutely. I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this anyway, even though it's pushing back a little bit. And um, so, uh, very random coincidences, uh, uh, happen with me because, um, so I, when I came over here, I worked at uh, Panera Bread for four months. When I was at the Panera Bread, I served a guy one, twice. I served a guy twice who was a guy from Liverpool that, um, that was living here in Ohio. Um, I ended up getting his Facebook information from him. Uh, we became Facebook friends. Uh, and then several years later... I ended up deciding through many random events that I was like, you know what? I feel like I'd like to try tabletop role-playing game. I was okay. like, you know what? I feel like that would be good. And he contacted me to say, hey, I'm in a group. You can probably join, blah, blah, blah. Um, the group itself fell apart, but we became quite good friends through that. Um, when I moved over here, I, moved, I was here with my wife. We ended up moving from... We were staying with her parents for a couple of months and then we moved into an apartment and uh, we were in this place. We were in this certain apartment. We move out. We're in the house that we have lived in now for uh, about six years. This this friend of mine, um, his uh, relationship kind of petered out for various reasons. So he ends up having to find a place to live. Uh, he's looking around. I say, hey, this place I used to live in was kind of good. I don't know what the rent is, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, that's fine. Um he ended up looking at it and he said, you know what? I think I'm going to go with that place. I was like, oh, that's great. And uh, he ends up moving in there and he says, uh, oh, so which apartment number were you? And I said, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like it was this. And he says, what? And I said, yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it was this number. And then he sends me a photo of the lease that he has just signed. And, and it has one. that number on it. Oh, my gosh. And so... I'm fervently like digging for anything that I can find that proves where it was I was living at that time. And I finally found it. And he's living in my old bloody apartment. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it so scary how small the world is? It's gets, it gets, it's like that thing where people hear that and then they're like, wow, that's so crazy. And I'm just like, Oh, that's so, that's so disturbing. That's so disturbing how close the world is. Oh my goodness. No, I don't like that at all. That's yeah, so freaky to me. Yeah, oh. it's like, th there's no way that this place has had another British person move in <laughs> since I, and it's since I left. And it's very D&D-ish, isn't it? Years earlier, you have come upon the like you know that's totally a thing that that like dungeon masters always do. And you smell the 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 scent of of elephant high boots, and it's like oh, it's Skippy from Campaign Three. You know that's like that's very D and D ish to have. Was it D? I don't want to. Was it D and D or was um, it? I uh, I I the first thing uh, that I was playing at that time it was Pathfinder, which is um, as I. As I've described it, D and D with more rules. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to play it so bad because it has more rules. I either want less rules or more rules, and I like all that strictness of it. It makes it more gamey. It's I, I wanted to play Pathfinder for so long. I say I played it for about eight sessions, and the group dynamic did not work well. Um, so, <laughs> so in the end, myself and this other guy, we ended up moving away from that group. And I actually found 
Um, was it the group dynamic in playing the game or how you guys got along? It was not in playing the game, no. It was more in how the other members of the group, um, uh, and not even necessarily so much ideology-wise, it was more just the way they acted. Um, mm. And and like they were, you know, they were meeting every two weeks. And my wife, who definitely long-suffering, she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand how I would enjoy it. And she reached a point where she was like, you know what? Every two weeks is just a bit much. And I was yeah. like, fair enough. I, you know, I had a very young daughter. And so like, you know, being away for several hours, like a, an entire afternoon, every two weeks is just, <laughs> is not really feasible in the long run. So I said, Hey, I'm going to have to push back maybe once a month. Like, you know, and then, even when I was doing that, there were still a couple of things that would come up and it's like, well, I'm not putting this over a family affair or things like that. So I'll um, tell a tip to all D and D people because that does happen. And I'll tell this to, 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 to GMs or DMs as they are. I had this where we had inconsistencies in people, but we didn't want to stop playing. And the way we solved it was I thought, and I was the DM. So I think it's really brilliant. The way we solved it was that the person would be petrified that in other words there was a subplot going on where they were sort of like beholden to this magical thing and the person would be petrified and the players would have to carry around in their pocket this person each <laughs> each week and if they if they got it stolen or if they lost it or if it got destroyed that would be sort of part of the adventure uh, was was dealing with that. It was it was you know they had to save their compatriots even though it wasn't there. So that's always something you can float by a DM is like, hey, you got to think I can't be here every week. You got to think of something creative. It can't just be like, and so Florgor went somewhere else in the middle of this big thing. You know, <laughs> like you got to be you got to push your push your DM to make a solution, a better solution than Florgor went to the dry cleaners. Yeah, when I um yeah I'll say I. I played these eight sessions. They were my only ever sessions of any tabletop role playing. And then I actually came across this setting um, in Savage Worlds. I don't know if you're aware of what Savage Worlds is, um, but it's uh, the idea is it's fast, furious, and fun. Um, you, and it's a little bit too complicated to get into right now, but mm. it is definitely easier to pick up and play than D&D, say. Um, and... It's a setting called Crystal Heart, and the idea is you basically play as agents of this organization that gives you, instead of your heart, you get that taken out and you have these crystals put in, and they give you superpowers. Mm. Um, so uh, you go off and you do all these things, and you have these abilities and so on and so forth. Um, so I saw that, and I was like, well, that's really cool. Um, I don't know anyone that plays it. I don't know anyone that plays any of these things. I'm going to have to run this. So I have been running that ever since. Um, wow. and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It was incredibly nerve wracking the first time I did it, uh, because as I said, eight sessions of Pathfinder is definitely not, um, the best prep for having to run your own game in a setting that you've never played before. So <laughs> while we're, while we're on nerdy things, by the way, that is how Americans see British people is as the, the land of wizards, even though we make most of the wizard movies. Even though we're the ones making these wizard fantastical things, we are uh, uh, we do we do assume that. Um, well, we I, are the wizards. I mean, yeah. you know, Ian McKellen yeah. and Daniel yeah. Radcliffe, you know. 
These are, these are the most famous wizards. I will say that. Yeah. Um, and Michael Gambon as well, but, um, of course, but, uh, I'll tell the, the only D and D story that, 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 that I think is relevant to being nervous about being a DM. And if you're, if this is too nerdy at this point, I don't know what to tell you. This is a bonus thing anyway. Um, <laughs> um uh, it's a very social thing. Like I'm very excited to see the D and D and all these things are becoming more like app based and like computer based. And like, I am interested in trying that stuff and like playing with random people and seeing what that's like. Okay. But, or, and I used to play online as well. But when you have a big social group, which in doing entertainment, I would occasionally have these big people I would network with. And I had this D and D group and I was the DM for the first time. And I went and I, these, these guys would just run into every battle, every situation they would fight. And <laughs> I went and I talked to people and I was talked to other people that were nerds and were DMs and I came back to my group and I go, look, I'm not even exaggerating. I've talked to every dungeon master I know in New York City. Okay? <laughs> Some people I don't even know. There was a big get together and a lot of people that played D&D were there. They've all told me that I should just let your characters die next time you do something stupid. Okay? So I'm going against the wisdom of every wizard in New York City to let you live right now. So please be careful. And of course they did something stupid. And I and I and I did I sent them I sent them to the ethereal plane. So, you know, don't yeah. mess that's all I'm saying is, listen, don't mess with me. I'll send you to the ethereal plane. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you know, they told you that, you laughed, they laughed, the table laughed, you killed the table, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Make all sure right. that didn't All right. I'm ready to roll here. I'm having okay. good fun already. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.